Well, good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, beginning today and for the next uh, several weeks, we are going to actually be con- um, considering some calling stories in the Bible. Uh, many of you are, have joined Triads, and you'll be working with uh, Kathleen Cahalan's book, The Stories We Live. And I want to just thank you, those of you who have joined these triads. We are up to, I think, 39 or 42 people who have joined triads. We have, we have a lot of people that are going to be considered, considering calling uh, together, and we are going to consider it here in our services. And so as you're in the book, in the triads, you're going to get to chapter 4, that Cahalan titles, Called From People, Places, and Situations. Called From People, Places, and Situations. Every calling to something begins with a calling from something, every, every one. In some cases, rare cases, there are callings from things that actually don't have a clear go-to place. It's just being called from something. And God does put us in there, and we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to being called in suffering. That's a suffering moment when you're in limbo. It is. But today, what we want to consider through the eyes of Abraham is what being called from something looks like. To quote Cahalan, to be called from entails moving away and ending before a new beginning is clear. It requires you to trust that moving away is the right path, a calling, even when you may not know the destination. The simple statement sums up the call of Abraham. I'm going to use Abraham today. When he's called in 12, it's Abram. He becomes Abraham later, but I'm going to forget to call him Abram, so I'm just going to say Abraham from now on, okay? When we consider the call of Abraham, we need to understand that Abraham is called from, right in the text, his country, his people, and his father's house. He's called from these things. First, his country. This is not a term of nationalism, but more a term of the actual place, the land. You could actually, in the Hebrew word, you could translate it land, like like actual dirt and earth. Abraham is leaving the earth that he has cultivated and lived in and toiled and prepared. He's leaving the region with all of, his, all of its unique sights and sounds and tastes and smells. He's leaving his financial security and future. Now God promises here something to Abraham. And he says it very interestingly. I will... Give you a land that I will show you. It's not a mistake. If you're reading the story today, Abraham doesn't really know where he's going. He has a promise, and that's no small thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he doesn't have a serious and specific destination. Yet, Abraham follows God's call from his place. On this vague promise with no specific location. And he's called from his people. We're told that only Abraham's nephew Lot goes with him on the trip. The rest of his family seemingly stays behind. We hear a little bit later that it's a little unclear where Abraham's dad passes away. He may have gone with him. We're not exactly sure. Um, But more importantly, Abraham's not only leaving his family, he's leaving all of the human capital that he's built up in this region. he's, he's, He's a big deal, right? And he's walking away from it. He's just walking away from the human capital that he's built up. The friendships. The joys. And in the ancient world, this is an even bigger loss than for us today. It's a big enough loss for us today. It's hard to leave your people. 
We know that, don't we? It's hard to lead your people. It's a bigger deal even in the ancient world because as the oldest son in his household, Abraham is going to get all of what his dad has. He'll then be the patriarch. He'll have everything. Not only the land, not only the house, but the status that goes with it. He'll be the patriarch. And it becomes even bigger because Abraham's leaving his people having no children because his wife is dealing with infidelity issues. Infertility. Not infidelity. That comes later, actually, in the story. I just got confused, Fran, with the rest of the story. Infertility issues, thank you. (laughs) So Abraham follows God's call from his people, even though Sarah can't have kids. And lastly, his father's house. Now, this is, you said he already talked about his father's house, but this is a whole different reference here. What it really means is the ancestral, the, the ancestors of the gods, small g gods, that would have been associated with Abraham's father's house. That's what this means. What God's calling Abraham to do is to leave his gods, small g gods. That's what father's house means. Please be clear about this. Abraham and God drop into the story in chapter 12, verse 1, In very different ways. We know God through 1 through 11. But we know him as a God who is correcting and judging his humanity. Right? We know him that way. He curses Cain's. He drowns the the unrighteous. And he confounds the religious at Babel. Right? He's a God who is judging. Sometimes really harshly. Between Eden and what Walter talked about last week and coming to the garden and ministering with Adam and Eve and being with them. And this part in chapter 12, we see a God who is judging and correcting his creation. But in chapter 12, the Lord comes as the rescuer of humanity. The humanity that he was correcting and judging, he steps into Abraham and says, I want to be in covenant with you. I'm going to save the world, and I'm starting today. It's a different God than we've seen. It's beautiful. Abraham, he just drops out of nowhere. If you're reading the book from the beginning and you don't know the rest of the story, you would say this, who is Abraham and where did he come from? Well, who is Abram and where did he come from? And I looked ahead and there's a guy named Abraham. Is this the guy? I mean, you wouldn't even, out of nowhere, we know nothing about him. The story starts with the Lord said to Abraham. That's it. The Lord said to Abraham. So even though Abraham doesn't know God, He follows him from his situation, to use Cahalan's word. I want to tell you about this situation for a minute and just pause. And I just want to say something very boldly. 
if we are determined to protect a way of life or to keep things the way they've always been, we will never follow God's call. Period. If we are intent on protecting our own way of life or keeping things the way they have always been, we will never follow God's call. I don't use never very often from up here. These two things are incompatible. We try, though, don't we? I do. I love you. You know, I'm honest with you, right? At least I'm honest with you. I have trouble with this. What I like to have happen is protect my way of life, keep things the way they always have been, but still walk into the blessing God promised, right? Like, I want it all. (laughs) And what that ends up being is, bless me, Lord, even when I don't trust you. But God drops into the story as the rescuer of humanity. So even though Abraham really doesn't know this God, he follows him from his situation, leaving people, place, father's house. Amazing. Now, oftentimes we read this story and we forget that there are plenty of people in Scripture who are called by God. Sometimes by Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ incarnate, and who say no. Plenty of people in the scripture say no. Now Jonah was called by God and hated the people that he was called to so much he ran the other way. And we got this great flannel graph story about a big fish swallowing him, right, and bringing him back. And Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and said, I'm going to call you from all your wealth and prosperity, your people, your place, and your situation. Come and follow me. And the rich young ruler said, that's too much. And we're told he went away sad. And even Lot's wife, being called from her place at Sodom and Gomorrah, of all places, has to turn around and take one last Look, Abraham could have said no to God's call. People do it all the time. I've done it. Doesn't ever end well. Maybe you've done it. If you're honest, you've done it. Abraham could have said no to God's call. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And all of his earthly sensibilities and everything that he could see must have been screaming at him to not leave a place that he's always lived and people that he knows with a wife who can't have children and follow a God that he really isn't sure of. And yet, Abraham had one call, by the way. There was just a one-word call. You know what it is, right? Go. That's the call. It's not hard. Now, God does a lot. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But all the call is, is go. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, this is the, I'm quoting now. And the Lord said to Abraham, go. And Abraham goes, begging the question, why? As I was praying about this, we were like, I don't know what to say next. Why would he do this? This makes no sense. From an earthly standpoint. 
But there are at least two reasons. I think there's more. It's a sermon series for another day, and you would, you would need a sermon series to preach about this. But I'll just mention two things. The first is this. God offers Abraham a deep personal relationship with himself. God says to Abraham, I, the God of the universe, am offering you to be in relationship with me. This would have been unheard of to the gods of the Assyrians or the Babylonians or any other ancient, the Egyptians. Their gods were angry and there was no relationship. It was duty bound by death alone. But God doesn't say that. God comes and says, I will bless you if you follow my call. I will enter into relationship with you. And then God, from this point on, one of his favorite sayings to his people is, I will be your God and you will be my people. He says it over and over and over again in the story. It is a term of relationship. Now you get me, the God of the universe. I'm your God and you're my people. Sometimes he says it angrily. Things have gotten off the rails. But a lot of times he says, I'm your God. You're my people. This story, first and foremost, before it even gets into the call on Abraham's life or anything that we can take from it for ourselves or our next steps as a church, please hear me. This call is about the goodness of God. Because where there was no relationship and only gods who are angry, Yahweh, says, go. So that's the first reason. How could Abraham pass it up? And two, Abraham goes from his people, place, and situation because he has promised that he can be a blessing to others. I'm convinced of it. The more I live, the longer I live, and the more I talk to people and have conversations, I say it from here all the time, the deepest longing of the human heart is to know who we are and to know why we're here and to know where we belong. And God offers Abraham all three in one word, go. And I promise you, I will bless you. And he doesn't stop there. In fact, the phrase doesn't stop. There's not two things here, okay? There's not, I will bless you and then go be a blessing. That, in the Hebrew, that does not exist. I will bless you to be a blessing. It's one call. It's one promise. It's one thing. I think Abraham saw this and said, his heart leapt. You mean I can be a blessing to all the nations of the earth? If I just leave my people, hard as it may be, As we explore the notion of vocations and callings this fall together, here's the most important point, and I'm going to quote my friend Carl. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We are called for the sake of others. We are blessed to be a blessing to other people. If we're not, then our call becomes the one ring from Lord of the Rings, our precious, that we hide and protect and use against others. 
There is no calling by a personal God into relationship if it doesn't include giving it away to other people so they will come to our personal God in relationship. Now, if this doesn't excite you, maybe God will bring the lights back on. (laughs) Today at Church of the Apostles, please hear me. We're being called from a place We're being called from a place into a deeper, first and foremost, and more trustful relationship with God. He has always been faithful to us, by the way. Always. We know him. We have something on Abraham. We have seen it. We can talk about it. We've felt it. We've sung about it. We've tasted it. We've heard it. We've smelled it. He has always been faithful to us. He has always been true to his promises. Always. We we do not know all of the specific ways that God will bless us in this next phase of our life as a church. But I can assure you that if we will step out in faith with a personal relationship, determined to be a blessing for other people, God will be our God and we will be his people guarantee it guarantee it just a couple of minutes we're going to watch a video that Kendra curated using some of the really a lot of pictures you sent in so if you don't see yours we're going to try to use it a different way it's a great video don't be mad at Kendra it's Kendra's fault if she didn't use it anyway so (laughs) Kendra why don't you just stand up so everyone can see your face in case you didn't use their picture In just a couple of minutes, we'll watch this video that Kendrick curated, and you're going to see all the good things, many of them, that God has done for us here at Ludlow. We're going to celebrate that together for a few minutes. While you're watching it, I'm going to give you a couple minutes afterwards to be quiet and think of one way you can specifically just cry out to God and thank him for something that's happened here. That's going to be our prayer to the people. I'm going to have you just call out thanksgivings for this place. We're, We're not even going to do petitions today. We're just going to be thankful to God. We watched the video together, Tamara and I, mostly because I need to set the table so Jan can cry while she watches it. And Tamara said, Tamara made the statement, she summed it up. How is it that we can love these people so quickly? We just want you to know, Tamara and I, how much we love you. We, we watched your history, much of it, what we weren't part of. And we cannot wait to take this next step together with you. Because we know That the God who is calling us from this place has a blessing for us to be a blessing for other people. He is calling us to a new neighborhood. To serve new people. To live into a new situation. And God has already blessed us with some specifics. A building and grounds that frankly every day is just feeling more like home. It's beautiful. Into new relationships already, starting with our friends from Congregation Redef Shalom. And I mean it. When you get to know them, they are my friends already because I've been over there for a couple weeks officing. You know, I've been doing my work out of there. These are really fine people, and they're so happy that we're here. We're moving into this new neighborhood full of God, full of people who God is calling to. And he's asking us to love and to serve them. To share his shalom and his justice and his love. He's asked us to be a blessing. 
And it is our privilege to do that. The first thing that we have done to be a blessing in our new space is to make the building one of utility, blessing, and beauty. We were able to um, do much of this work before the Jewish holiday Rosh Hashanah. And I was able to be there on their services. Jan, some of us were there. And person after person walked in and would thank us. Thank you. We've not come to Rosh Hashanah here in a long time and seen fresh paint and life and rooms that are going to be used. Thank you. And Jan and I would say Happy New Year. They were thanking you, not me. They were thanking Church of the Apostles. We've already blessed them with beauty and utility. They, um, their cantor, Cantor Hirsch, brought me a present. Brought me a bag and said, here, this is for you. I said, well, thank you, Nima. Appreciate that. And I opened it up and there was honey in there and apples for Rosh Hashanah and a beautiful card. It said, may God write blessing on your heart this new year. That's what it said. The communion bread that we're going to have today is made with this honey that she gave me. And when I told her that, she teared up. I wasn't sure if I should. I didn't, I don't, we're going to be awkward some. So I was like, Nima, you know, we use bread for like communion. She's like, yeah, communion, I know. Oh, good. Okay, good. (laughs) I said, I'm going to use your honey to make the bread. And she just teared up. Said, I can't wait for you all to be here. <laughs> the next thing we'll do is to be present in the, new split, in the new space, including the neighborhood. Next week, we're going to move in there and hold our first worship service on Park Ave. Then we'll have a move-in party. Please pray for good weather. A move-in party out on the lawn. We've invited our friends from CRS to join us. We'll have food there. We've got games. We've got a face painter coming for the kids. And we're going to have a party together. And with any luck, some of our new neighbors will pop in. Would you pray with me? There's some people from the hood, right? (laughs) May say, what is going on here? And we can say, come, have some food. It's kosher. Come on. And we'll welcome them to come. We're going to continue our posture of prayer. First thing on October 17th. Team from our diocese is going to come and we're going to get in this space. And we're going to continue the posture of prayer that brought us to this space. And we're going to pray together. Please mark your calendars. October 17th, it's all in your bulletin. You should come. Join us. And then as we live in this new space, there'll be a lot of things to discern. God will help us know exactly how to bless this community with justice and shalom and love. We don't know it all yet. It'll be fun to figure out together, won't it? And we'll just do that. We'll just pray. God, show us the way to be a blessing, to be a church for the sake of others. I pray that as we go here from today, you will have a deep sense that we have been called by God for the sake of others, that we have been blessed to be a blessing. We're going to pause for just a moment now, and I'm going to give you two minutes of silence, which I have been actually critiqued that it's more like an hour and more like a minute and 30 seconds because I get nervous. There's probably some truth in that, but I'm going to let it go the full two minutes today. Two minutes of silence. 
What I'm asking for this two minutes of silence is for you to ask God in this quiet moment for something specific to thank him for in the life of Church of the Apostles. We're thinking primarily about what has been today. We're going to have lots of thankfulness and prayer and everything about what's going to come, okay? But today is a day to celebrate what God has done. And so just ask him, would you just ask him to give you a sentence or two? We're going to keep these really short. If you start to yell it out after our two minutes of silence and someone else is going, just wait for them and go and it'll be great. You bow your head and close your eyes. I'll watch the time. We offer this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.